Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 153 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I am your host and humble guide, Keela Cash. Thank you so much for joining me as week 154 of WrestleTopia gets underway. Happy Tuesday morning, afternoon, and evening to you all as another busy week in the worlds of WWE and AEW gets underway. And last night was Monday Night Raw going down live from the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee. And before I get into last night's show, I have to be honest because I mentally checked out after 9 o'clock p.m. Eastern due to the horrific injury to DeMar Hamlin from the Buffalo Bills during Monday Night Football. It was the Buffalo Bills versus Cincinnati Bengals. And I was going back and forth between Monday Night Raw and the football game. And there was a commercial break in between Raw and I tuned into the game. And it was going well 7-3 early on. And then I flipped back around 9 o'clock-ish and I saw Susie Colbert, Burger McFarlane, and Adam Schefter sitting at this round table looking absolutely shaken about something and they filled the audience in on what happened. I saw the replay via various cable news networks as I try to fill in the pieces. I check social media as well. And I was absolutely floored by seeing someone get up after a routine tackle and then collapse on the field and they did not move. And then you hear that CPR was administered for nine minutes and you can see the anguish on both teams' faces, especially the Buffalo Bills players that know DeMar so well and they love him as a teammate so much. And it was just harrowing to watch all of this unfold in real time. And the game was suspended for a moment. And we would think that when you see something like this of a player needing CPR to survive and having an ambulance roll on the field and his mom is there and she's supposed to be watching her son play football, the sport that he loves. And now she feels absolutely helpless to help her son. So thankfully, the medical personnel got a pulse, got him in the ambulance. His mom rolled with him to the hospital in Cincinnati. And the latest report is that he's in critical condition. His vitals are good, but they're trying to figure out exactly what happened that led to that event on the field that left everyone shaken. And I have never seen this in football before. I have seen players concussed and they tense and they seize and it's something that is very disturbing to watch. But to see someone collapse and not move and need CPR ministered to survive, that was heartbreaking to watch. And to see the pain on the players' faces, the fans and the crowd not knowing what to do. It was really tough stuff. And as a wrestling fan, I immediately thought back to three moments in history that I remember vividly. I think about Owen Hart back in May 1999 of the harness snapping and he falls to his death. And that is something those fans and the people that work with him would never forget. And the show went on. And that was a classless move by WWE at the time. I think to Jerry the King Lawler's heart attack live on Monday Night Raw 10 years ago. And it was a rough 90 minutes of Michael Cole trying to keep our minds occupied. But he saw his colleague collapse and have a heart attack and almost die. Technically, he was medically dead for a few minutes. And he was saved by the wonderful staff in Montreal, Quebec that night. And I go to... Dynamite, a couple of months ago, Hangman Page takes a lariat shot from John Moxley, routine move, and Hangman goes down. And there's a hush over the arena. And you can hear the tenor change for Taz and Excalibur on commentary. Like you don't know what to think, you don't know what to do because head injuries are no joke. It becomes very serious, very fast. And as a fan, you just pray for the best. And 
I was doing the show that night, waiting for word on Paige's condition. And I was waiting for AEW's statement. They gave me some reassurance he was going to be okay. Then Paige tweeted the next day to really give everybody that deep sigh of relief that he was going to be all right. But in the moment, you don't know what's going on. And that's exactly how I felt last night. I had so many messages pop up regarding DeMar Hamlin of how he is a class act through and through, gives back to his community. And the money that's been raised for his foundation that gives toys to underprivileged kids is probably over a million dollars right now. And it's a blessing to see so many people show up for him. And we pray that he recovers from this and he has a great quality of life. This is not about football right now. This is about his life. And it was very hard for me to kind of pay attention to last night's episode of Monday Night Raw because my mind was elsewhere. It was with DeMar Hamlin and his family, his friends, his teammates. And I pray for a speedy recovery. We'll get some news hopefully later this morning regarding his condition. But I have to give the stank eye to the NFL because it took the coaches to say, we're not going to go out here while he is fighting for his life. How dare you put profit before players? But that's what the NFL does. And it took maybe an hour and a half until the front office in New York made the call to postpone the game until I don't know when. We are approaching the last week of the NFL season. There are playoff implication seedings to consider regarding this matchup. And we'll get to that when we get to that. But right now, this is all about the health and well-being of DeMar Hamlin. And I'm praying for the very best. Hopefully, we wake up to some very good news regarding his condition as we still process what happened last night, which was very, very heavy. But I'm going to try my best to give you the best possible analysis for Monday Night Raw. It will not be my most glowing review of the show, even though it wasn't bad as we kick off the year 2020. 23, but the crowd was so-so with very few exceptions as we do kick things off with another bloodline invasion involving Solo Sokoa, the Usos, the reigning defending WWE Tag Team Champions, and honorary Us, Sami Zayn, and they're running rough-shattered ringside, flipping over the announce table, beating up a random production guy, and they are overtaking the show to let everybody know we run shit here and you better run and hide, but they really want Kevin Owens, and KO comes out, and he's ready to fight four-on-one, and Sami Zayn says it's all about you. It's your fault. We're here for you and Kevin Owens' game. And that leads to Adam Pierce, noted WWE official coming out saying, no, 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 no. We're not doing this right now. Not this year. Not again. And this leads to him making the dumbass decision of having some random security guards try to get the bloodline out of the ring. And Solo proceeds to kick every last one of them out of the ring by beating their asses. In short fashion, then Adam calls reinforcements in the form of the main roster and they eventually take care of business. But the bloodline scurries away, but not before Adam Pierce says, oh, you want to come to work today and cause trouble? Well, get your boots on, get your gear ready because you're going to be working tonight. And it will be Solo Sokoa versus Elias in a Music City Street fight, followed by the Street Profits and Kevin Owens versus the Usos, the reigning defending tag team champs alongside honorary Uso, Sami Zayn. So this is a very chaotic way to kick off Monday Night Raw. It happened the exact same way a couple of weeks ago with another bloodline invasion, but it has a little extra sauce on it because Sami Zayn took the fall on on the last SmackDown of the year as Kevin Owens stunned him, pinned him, and he might be in line for a universal title shot against Roman Reigns at the Royal Rumble in a few weeks' time at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. Next up is Bianca Belair defending the Raw Women's Championship against Alexa Bliss. This match was kind of rough 
in a lot of ways because I always thought that Bianca Belair and Alexa Bliss had great chemistry dating back to the 2020 Warrior Rumble nearly three years ago now. I thought they worked well together last year at the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view and it was down to her and Bianca as the final two to see who will face Becky Lynch for the championship at WrestleMania. It was Bianca Belair, but I love the work they put in nonetheless. So I had high hopes for last night's show despite the Bray Wyatt jinx of it all. But Alexa was missing spots. Bianca Belair was frustrated as she scoop slammed Alexa Bliss three times and told her to get up repeatedly to take the third scoop. Then she was out of position for a handspring moonsault. She had a wiggle in position for that and Bianca Belair was visibly frustrated as she basically worked over Alexa Bliss early on. We had a scary movie callback of Bianca holding Alexa's head in place as she proceeded to whoop her ass but Alexa takes advantage by shoving Bianca shoulder first into the ring post to ground her for a bit but eventually Bianca Belair lands a vertical suplex. The aforementioned scoop slams and the handspring moonsault for very close near fall the action spills to the outside after Bianca lays in some shots on Alexa Bliss from the top rope but then Alexa yanks the ponytail goes after Bianca Belair but then she sees maxed figures in the crowd that look like they're a part of Bray Wyatt's cult the Wyatt Six and she's spooked by all of this and she sees the flashing on the titantron of the Wyatt logo and she goes absolutely batshit crazy. She flips on the referee. She pounces on Bianca Belair, beats her ass at ringside, delivers not one but two DDTs on the still steps. And the fans who are supposed to like Bianca Belair because she's from Tennessee by way of Knoxville, they chant for Alexa Bliss saying one more time. Do that for a third time, Alexa. Like, what the fuck, you masochist? But it's... An interesting storyline heading into the Warrior Rumble. I expect a rematch. Hopefully it's better than what we got last night because it was kind of a mess. And I like both ladies, but this match didn't click for me and I had high hopes because I know they can do when they're on the same page. But Alexa Bliss says, maybe I've been playing mind games this entire time. And now I'm in Bianca's head and she knows I can take her championship at any time. And I expect the rematch going down at the Rumble in a few weeks time in San Antonio, Texas. And I firmly believe Bianca will retain come hella high water because I cannot see her dropping that belt before WrestleMania. But as always, we shall see as we move on to Elias versus Solo Sokoa in the Music City Street fight. This match was surprisingly good. I will say this for Elias. Anytime there's a Symphony of Destruction match involving weaponry of musical instruments, he's pretty solid. And last night was no exception as he gave it to Solo at various points by throwing him into the drum set at one point at ringside. He goes for a guitar shot, but he misses and hits the ring post. Instead, Solo recovers and lands a Samoan drop on Elias for two. Then Elias grabs an electric keyboard. I thought it was a Yamaha, but maybe it's a Yamana, the bootleg variety. And and he smashes Solo in the back repeatedly with the keyboard until Solo comes through with the belly-to-belly suplex on Elias for a near fall. Sokoa misses a stinger splash in the corner, so Elias lands a tambourine shot to the head of Solo repeatedly, followed by single splashes in the corner and a spine buster. Then we have Hardy, noted musical artist, hand Elias a guitar. And Solo is going to super kick Elias before he could use the guitar as a weapon. So Hardy... Noted, not professional wrestler, hops over the barricade and he's going to smash Solo with the guitar, but homie, don't sell it. Solo turns around and he is ready to kill Hardy on sight. Hardy runs away and I laugh to Corey saying, run to Memphis. How went to Texas after this dude? Because you're an idiot for going after Solo Sokoa. So Elias takes advantage of the Japanese strike. Goes to top for a frog splash, but unfortunately for Elias, he is going to get hit in midair with the Simone spike as Solo is going to deliver a spinning Solo 
on top of a piano at ringside. The piano collapses and he pins Elias for the victory. I thought this is a fun match and Solo is an absolute beast in every way and I love it. He's charismatic as hell. He has presence every time he comes out there. The music's on point. The lighting during his introduction is fabulous and he is the most feared member of the bloodline outside of Roman Reigns because I think this dude could snap on Sami Zayn at any time because he is the enforcer. He was sent by the elders to do Roman's dirty work and we'll see how it all plays out as I do feel fractures within the bloodline despite their hostile takeover last night on Monday Night Raw. And speaking of the bloodline, they're running back to back. It is... The Usos reigning defending WWE Tag Team Champions alongside Honore Us, Sami Zayn versus the Street Profits and Kevin Owens. And Montez Ford, who is the husband of Bianca Belair, helped his wife to the back after she took that attack from Alexa Bliss at the top of the show. She was bleeding from the mouth and he was checked out of this match mentally for a good while as Kevin Owens and Angela Dawkins were getting their asses handed to them by Sami Zayn and the Usos. Eventually, Montez Ford snaps out of it and he hops on the top rope and delivers a crossbody to Jimmy Uso and Sami Zayn, follows things up with a standing moonsault on Sami for a near-fall in a frog splash, which is broken up by Jey Uso. So eventually, we got Solo at ringside, crashing the party once again, and Solo shows up, and he is going to knock out Dawkins. Owens goes after Solo Sokoa, and Jay makes a save by super kicking Owens, and Owens just slides so gracefully against the barricade. He's knocked out. Ford knocks Jimmy off the apron, but the distraction allows Sami Zayn to land the halluva kick on Montez Ford for the win. A fun match, but in all honesty, at this moment, I was checked out due to the DeMar Hamlin situation and I was just going through the motions. It was a good match. Montez Ford showed great fire, but I was kind of emotionally detached due to what was happening across the dial on ESPN. Next up was Chad Gable versus Dexter Loomis, and this match existed. This is probably the most heatless match of the night because Dexter Loomis is not over, and Chad Gable is so good, but he loses so often, and this was the case last night. He puts in a good performance. He suplexes people, locks in an ankle lock. is very technical, but Dexter Loomis comes through with a nice leg drop into a kip up. Then he locks in a cradle on Gable for the win after Otis was sent into the ring post, and this was all right. It should be noted that we had no discussion of The Miz or Bronson Reed, or that ladder match from two weeks ago, it feels as if the entire storyline is D-E-A-D. And I'm praying that's the case, because I don't want my guy Bronson Reed associated with The Miz. Let that man be a monster, starting at the Royal Rumble, build him up comparably heading into WrestleMania, and we're good to go. I just want Bronson Reed the hell away from The Miz. I want Johnny Gagano back to being Johnny Wrestling. I want Dexter Loomis to be with Indy Hartwell, and they can create TV magic together. And I'll be a happy camper. As for The Miz... Whatever, count your money and your blessings and live your life with your family. And that's the most important thing. Next up is Bailey alongside the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Io Sky and Dakota Kai, as Bailey lies to the crowd about being able to beat Becky Lynch fair and square a couple of weeks ago on Monday Night Raw. And you can see right through that lie because she got help courtesy of Io Sky and Dakota Kai. Becky Lynch comes out to say, listen, for most of your career, you always hit behind someone. Then you step up to be a leader and now you have your lackeys doing the heavy lifting for you once again so you can hide from your responsibilities of being an alleged leader. But if you want to play those games, that's fine. I don't run or hide from anybody. I always stand on my own two feet. But since we started this in Nashville back at SummerSlam last July, let's end this in Nashville tonight. What about you, me, one-on-one 
one more time. Bailey declines, but she puts Io Sky and Dakota Kai in her place. And she even offers Becky to find a tag team partner for choosing. Becky says, I ain't got my phone on me, so I guess I gotta go it alone. And she's ready to fight Io Sky and Dakota Kai two on one. And Becky is great, but she gets her ass beat by damage control fairly easily until Mia Yim, Mishin, comes out to make the save and she delivers a tope to Io Sky on the outside as we go to commercial break. We come back and Becky is whooping up on Dakota Kai with a leg drop on the apron before tossing Io Sky into the barricade at one point. Then we have Lynch deliver a Mr. Dropkick to Kai, followed by Lynch and Mia Yim landing a double superplex on Dakota Kai, but Sky breaks up the pinfall attempt. Mia Yim is going to spike Dakota Kai with a head scissors takedown between the ropes. The fans pop for that, and Bailey gets involved with putting Kai's feet on the ropes to break up the pin attempt. And Becky Lynch sees this. She goes after Bailey, but in doing so, she leaves her partner out to dry as Mia Yim lands, eat defeat on Dakota, but Io Sky makes a blind tag and she lands that moonsault from the top rope on Mia Yim to pick up the win for damage control and the heels stand tall and Becky's like, when will I have a good day against Bailey and company? It's going to be a while because in life you need friends and Bailey has hers and Becky might need a couple to even the odds in the weeks to come. Next up is art. Dominic Mysterio was arrested on Christmas Eve, courtesy of his father, Ray Mysterio, because Dom started shit at the Mysterio's house once again. And we get this vignette, and we got Dominic Mysterio with a toothpick in his mouth, and he's got a teardrop over his left eye. And he has the nerve to say that he's done hard time. He's about that life, and he's a gangster now. He's Poppy Mysterio. And all I could do was laugh because at this point it's parody and I kind of love it. Dom is such a goddamn ham and I am here for it. For all of my GH fans out there, prison poppy Spencer, he is not. The man spent hours in a holding cell at the county jail, got bailed out most likely by Finn Balor and Damian Priest. Rhea Ripley probably pulled up the bail money at some point as well. And now Dominic is about that life. He's seen things, allegedly, and he is ready to show us how hard he is. I am trying not to go there, but the visual is visualizing and I am very disturbed. But at the same time, this is comedy at its best. Dominic is leaning into being a ham sandwich and I love it. This vignette was fucking hilarious that Dom spent hours in jail and now he is a thug. He's about that life. He's a certified G. We'll see how it goes in actuality on Monday Night Raw next week. And now it is time for our main event featuring Seth Rollins versus Austin Theory for the United States Championship. And this was by far the best match on the show. The fans love singing for Seth Rollins and they were eating up these near falls down the stretch as Rollins dominated the first half of this match with dives. Theory on the outside. He had Theory draped over the barricade and delivered a knee drop as we go to commercial break. We come back and Theory flips the table on Seth Rollins as he's in control of things for a bit by landing a backbreaker out of a pedigree attempt. Rollins does recover and land a superplex on Theory. Goes to the Falcon Arrow follow through, but Theory counters that with a Hiroshi Goshi for a very close near fall. We get a great back and forth strike exchange, super kicks galore from both men. And then Seth goes for a power bomb, but his knee gives out. 
And I got a little worried thinking, is this a work or a shoot? Because Seth's knee has a history of injury. And I don't want a flashback to the house show overseas during the European tour nearly 10 years ago when he fucked up that knee in a WWE championship match against Kane. He was out of action for all over a year. So I don't want to relive that shit in 2023. So Rollins is all right as he goes for a curb stomp, but the knee gives out. So clearly he's selling at this point. Theory is going to flee the area saying, I've had enough of this. I'm just going to keep my championship and leave. But Rollins catches him on one good leg. Theory brings the championship in the ring and Rollins super kicks Theory for his trouble, goes up top, lands a frog splash for a near fall that pops this crowd because they're really getting into these near falls at this point. So we have Theory shove Rollins to a referee, knock him out. Rollins hits a pedigree on his one good leg. A referee runs out there to make the one, two, but it's not three as Theory kicks out to drive the crowd crazier. And Theory almost shoves Rollins into referee number two. The referee shields himself. And in doing so, Theory is going to deliver a low blow to Rollins, followed by a chop block and the eight town down for the win. Theory retains the United States Championship as Monday Night Raw goes off the air at the top of the hour. I thought this was a very good main event. The powerbomb botch might have been a mistake or on purpose to sell the knee injury, but I thought this was a well-worked match between Rollins and Theory, who is really coming to his own as a complete performer. I cannot say that four months ago but look where he is now two-time U.S. champion second go round means a whole lot more and he's getting that right kind of heat as champion as well and this wraps up a pretty solid episode of Monday Night Raw I was checked out after 9 p.m. mentally due to the DeMar Hamlin situation and I'm praying for the very best as we wake up to more good news regarding his condition and his well-being moving forward so that is when real life must be front and center over things we love to indulge in as fans whether it's football basketball baseball hockey wrestling soaps Whatever is your jam, sometimes it means a bit less when real life creeps up and you see what we saw last night and it shakes you to your core because there's a mother that is literally watching her son fight for his life and she's in that ambulance riding with him as he fights for his life. So may he fight gallantly and be brave through this. The doctors are doing their work and we just pray for the best news later today. You got this, Damar Hamlin. And on that note, this wraps up episode number 153 of The Raw Verdict, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's flagship show, Monday Night Raw. I hope you enjoyed it as always. You can follow me on social media at Lady Wrestling X on Twitter and or Instagram at Receptopia. They can find me tweeting and gramming about these podcast shows. The drop on this in my daily recapping Monday Night Raw, NXT, AW Dynamite, Friday Night Smackdown on Fox, and AW Rampage on TNT. Plus, the Serena Sessions dropping every Monday morning right here on WST as well. You know what to do, such Receptopia and Follow me on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Audible, Google Podcasts, Buzzsprout, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn plus Amazon Alexa and Spotify. I'll be back tomorrow morning with episode number 100 of the NXT Nightcap, recapping the highs and lows from WWE's development to brand. Until then, enjoy your Tuesday. Stay safe out there and don't forget to wash those hands. See you later, boys and girls. Take care.